already that's giving you angst and anger. And when you finally say, I wish my dad was here. I wish my dad loved me enough to show up. I wish my dad cared enough about my mom. I wish my dad took care of his health. You are able to breathe because you let it out and you're able to name it and let that sadness be known so that you can be free from it and find out who you are without carrying the weight of that. Um, And to realize that those things that you desire, you still deserve. Now you just have to surrender and let the people who want to be those things for you be those things without the fear of abandonment. Welcome to the Taking Out the Mask podcast. My name is Ashanti Branch, and I'm really glad you joined us. Today's guest is Ramal Toon. He's a social impact entrepreneur, and he's an author of a book called I Wish My Dad. You know, ever since Ramal and I had this conversation, a lot of things have been stirring in me around that that entry, that, that four powerful words, I wish my dad. And I've asked a lot of young people um, since I've interviewed him around what would they say if they could finish that sentence? I wish my dad, and I'm going to, I'm going to read a few of them to you so you can um, just hear what young people around, around the world say, but definitely for the ones I've got to meet. Uh, one says, um, I wish my dad was more interested in my extracurriculars. Yeah. Another one says, I wish my dad could yell less. Yeah. That's a good one. This one says, I wish my dad would process his emotions healthily and without projecting. That's a student who's paying attention a little bit, huh? I wish my dad and I had a better relationship. Yeah. This next one says, I wish my dad took better care of himself. Beautiful thoughtfulness from a child, a, a, a student, not a child, but... I wish my dad talked talked more with me and taught me stuff. It's beautiful. I wish my dad would understand stuff from my perspective. And the last two were really beautiful. Um, I wish my dad knew how much I love him. And the last one here is, I wish nothing from my dad. He is the best dad I could wish for. And you know, as I ask students these questions actually to do actually as a task before I even start my talk is because I think in the wishes of what we would hope for, what we hope for people, whether something that we need or something that we think they may need, it's really beautiful to hear students reflect on that. Because as I reflect on my own father wounds, um, it's hard for somebody who doesn't understand the father wounds to maybe identify with the story. If, if you've had a beautiful relationship with your father all along. When I start talking about not having one, it could be hard to like have a connection there, but just the opportunity to reflect on what did I wish has been really beautiful and eye opening for a lot of young people and adults. I've done it with adults as well. One of the things that Ramal talks about in this conversation is around him trying to uh, experience this part of his life of Without the trauma, what, what do I live in my life right now without the trauma that I have? There's one line that I want you to hear is he says, 
The issue now is how will you give yourself the love you need now? Let me say it a different way. The issue now is how will you give yourself the love you need now that you needed back then? And even if you didn't get what you needed growing up, that you provide that for yourself now so that you don't get stuck in the the trauma cycle, that you don't now perpetuate that same trauma onto your loved ones or your children. I think that's part of the journey we're all on. It's really beautiful to hear him talk about his children in this podcast. And I think as we continue having more conversations with more men who are doing their own work, who wish that we could have maybe had something different as we grew up, but we can't go back and change it, but that we get to build for ourselves and for future generations that what we needed. I hope you really enjoyed today's conversation. Um, I hope that you maybe think about answering that question for yourself. Maybe you will send it to us, uh, maybe anonymously, maybe you'll share it with the world. What is the wish that you have for your dad? Whether the person is still here with us or uh, what is the hope that you have or what is the, the connection to that phrase? And for many people who may not have their fathers in their lives or um, have a relationship that is not as something that you can speak positively about, knowing that you're not alone and there's more to you than anybody could ever see by looking at you. There's more to me than people can see by looking at me. That's the movement that we're on with the Million Mask movement. If you haven't made a mask, you can do that at millionmask.org. Um, and if you are an educator, teacher, counselor, social worker, I want you to know that our work in Ever Forward is really trying to um, make schools work for all students, not just the ones who like school, even the ones who don't want to be there. And so if you are an educator, please um, share this with another educator, another teacher, another counselor. Share these conversations of men and young men who want to talk about these topics, but oftentimes don't know how or don't know that anyone else is doing it. So why would they do it? Maybe there'll be opportunity to share these conversations with somebody you know. Thank you for being a part of this work with us. Um, and before I, before I close the intro, I want to just say, you know, we have a training coming up February 4th and 5th. I guess this is our non-sponsor sponsor, right? This is <laughs> this is the work that we are doing in the world. And so m February 4th and 5th, we will have our first Train the Trainer program here in Oakland. And we're hoping to have a couple more around the country um, this year. Um, but the first one is going to be here in Oakland. So if you know anybody in Oakland, a teacher, educator, counselor, please let them know. Go to our website. Go on training and see if they are interested or available. We uh, believe that this training will support them in their work um, to deeply build connection with their students. And our students need it more than ever. Not only teachers who have good content subject matter, but who have a deeper connection to their well-being. And so thank you for being a part of this movement with us. Please enjoy today's episode with author and social impact entrepreneur, Ramal Toon. See you there, folks. Thank you. Welcome to the Taking Out the Mask podcast. My name is Ashanti Branch, and I'm really glad you joined us. Today's guest is Ramal Toon, and I am really excited to be in this conversation. We happen to be in the same room at the same conference a couple of weeks ago, and I didn't even I didn't even know. Like 
we had already been in conversation through email and text and Instagram. And then right when I got back from the well, he was like, oh, yeah, I was at the well. And I was like, wait a minute. And we happened to, I think, have been in one of the same rooms at the same time. But we had never, we'd only been meeting each other in little, uh, you know, thumbnail boxes. So, so <laughs> glad to have you on the show, Ramal. Thanks for being here. Yeah, man. Thanks for having me on. It was crazy how, like, I saw you. I just didn't know it was you. And it was like, yo, I, we were just at the same event. <laughs> Small world. Well, I guess the world's getting bigger again. We're, we're opening back up to, like, the fact that there's humans in the room, you know? Yeah. I'm, yeah. I'm good to be back outside. Me too, man. Well, listen, we would love to have you introduce yourself, tell folks what you want them to know about you. And then after that, we will jump into these masks. Yeah, uh, a little something about me. I'm a man who wears many hats. Uh, my uh, job is I'm a vice president for strategic partnerships at TMS Global. It's a global missions organization. I build innovative programs. I do some fundraising and uh, some partnerships with HBCUs, nonprofits, and philanthropic organizations. I'm also an author. I'm on my third book. Uh, most recently released is I Wish My Dad. Uh, the power of vulnerable conversations between fathers and sons. Uh, it'll be out two months on December 11th. Uh, been on a book tour and been having some amazing conversations around that. I'm a father of two. My son, Jordan, a recent graduate from Morehouse, uh, preparing for law school. And my daughter, Aman, a graduate of Hampton and University College of London. Uh, she works in cybersecurity on Capitol Hill. And uh, I'm an art collector and I love to travel the world. So quick little breakdown of me nice and that's a beautiful piece right there behind you so i as you noticed that right when we were jumping on the call so thank you for sharing that man thanks bro well i man i well man there's a lot there's a lot so first of all congratulations on your on your youngsters finishing up I imagine that's a great uh win-win right getting them yeah sure man you think like okay they're out of college they're working and so now I don't have to spend any more money on them. Yeah, not so much. That, that kind of never stops. I'm beginning to learn. But it is good to see them doing their thing. They're amazing young adults now. Oh, man. Well, congratulations on that, man. That's so exciting. Um, you know, when we thought about these conversations around masks, you know, part of our work is how do we normalize that men can come together and talk about real stuff, right? And I think... When you when you talked about the, the, your book title, I forgot who forwarded it to me at first. The first time I, there was a friend, but I was like, you know, I have my own father wounds, right? And so I think they saw it and they heard me talk about those wounds at times, and they were like, "I just check out this book." And so when I first saw it, I think it was Sean Dove, yeah, um, and uh, yeah, and then I was like, "Oh my goodness!" Oh, like I was just. So I just appreciate that. And I'm looking forward to this conversation. But, you know, what we get to start with, we get to start with these masks, right? So it allows us to get to know each other a little bit better. So as you as the guest, you get to decide who goes first. Uh, you do want me to go first or you want to go first and whatever you choose is is OK. I'm going to go ahead and go first. That way I can uh, get get beyond the angst of my mask. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. So do you want to go? You want to do the front and then let me do the front or you want to go Front and back, and then let me do front and back. How do you want to do that? Um, let's, yeah, I'll go front, then you go front, and then okay. I'll. All right. So, you want me to just hold it up so you can see it too? That'll be great. That'll be great. So, I don't know how this light is affecting it. Can you see oh, it'll that? It'll be fine. It'll be fine. Yeah. yeah. So, um, 
basically uh, my mask on the front. It is creativity, caring, and passionate. Mm. Nice. Nice. Anything you want to say about any of those? Uh, you know, for, I'm a definitely a born creative before mm. people named it a thing. Uh, I think uh, being a victim of circumstance growing up in the hood, all I had was my dreams. And mm. so that just sparked created creativity throughout my life. Like natural born risk taker. Cause you know, you had no choice, but try, yeah. uh, caring, you know, I care deeply because of what I've been through. Um, and so I think they say that every healer is seeking to heal in themselves, the same thing they're seeking to heal in the world. Um, so my writing is very much in that way. I'm on the same journey that I invite other people on through my writing. Um, and I'm, I'm passionate about the things I care about. Like I don't, I don't take the journey for granted. I don't take people for granted. And I try to find the dignity in all people and treat them as such. So, um, you know, I care deeply about people and the human experience. Holy, beautiful. That's exciting. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that. And I, I think that I, I like that phrase about the healer because I think that's so important. I think, can, can you say it again? The healer is trying to solve the healer. Help. The healer is seeking to heal in themselves the very thing that they're helping to heal in the world. Mm. And I find, and I, and I resonate with that a lot um, in that, because I think that deep down, the reason I started this mentoring organization was because I never had a mentor growing up. And I think I was trying to, like, I saw these young men at this high school as a first year teacher, smart, brilliant, talented, smarter than I was at their age and failing. I'm like, dude, you're so much more smart than I was your age. You got so much more skills and charisma and you're failing my class of a teacher who who likes you. Like, why would you fail? I'm like, man, you got a lot of teachers who here don't like you. Fail their class. You know what I'm saying? Don't fail my <laughs> class. You know what I'm saying? And I think this idea of like how I was like, I mean, by the time I got to high school, I had my act together. But in middle school, I was off track. So I wish somebody would have come and been like, dude, I see so much in you. But they were just like, are you going to act like of that? Get to the office, right? Or are you going to, like, it was more of like, they combated my my silliness with more silliness and and I was going to win, right? I was going to win because I didn't care about getting kicked out of class. So therefore, there's nothing you could say that would, you know. So anyway, I just think, I appreciate you re reading that quote because I think it's so powerful. Um, you know, it's interesting you say that because I think that I had the same experience in school and I find that oftentimes the chaos of what teachers are dealing with sometimes and the, you know, the intensity and the pace of it all, especially in challenging environments that when a kid is acting up like you and I probably were, they're trying to solve for a problem yeah. rather than identify purpose. Right. And so they're like, I just need to remove the problem rather than I need to create, make time to help this person find purpose. Yeah. Yeah. And I've, and I, as a teacher, I, I, I remember being there like, look, you are driving me nuts right now. You got to go. Right. Like I've been there as a teacher and then realizing that there's nothing in the office they're going to do to improve the relationship situation. There's nothing. They're just going to give a detention and that's going to make the kid matter or whatever's going to make them. And then it doesn't solve. They're coming back. They're coming back in 20 minutes, maybe an hour, maybe the next day. They're still coming back. So if I haven't resolved what challenge I have with that student, then I'm basically just postponing what's <laughs> inevitably still going to show up tomorrow, right? 
maybe right. even more aggressive and more mad, right? So, yeah, yeah I, I've, <laughs> I can feel that one. I, I'm, I'm, I was battling between this third word. Let me tell you the first two I have, and I think it's coming up right now. So, this is uh, what, I, what I drew this time. Okay. I, I was I was envisioning this mask I got when I was in Lagos because uh, you mentioned that you were just there in Africa. And so I was like, which mask would I want to try and draw? And I couldn't. I have a mask that has some similarities to one. But I wrote uh, passionate, serious, and um, I think the other one is coming up. I, I'm going to just say caring. I'm going to just say caring. Because um, I was trying to like, like really just be really present. I feel like I, I, maybe if I was... Well, I let people see. I try to let people see these things because there's a whole lot of things happening behind the scenes that I'm not letting people see. Um, but passionate, serious, caring, and maybe like caring. Even think about the order of how they come out right now. But like this work, this mask work, this these conversations. Like I'm super excited about them. Right, we had an issue right now trying to do an ad on Facebook, and it was like it happened right before this call, and I was like. Oh my God, I should not be spending time doing this, right? But there's nobody else to do it. Like, there's not like I have like an infinite team who could help put on ads somewhere, right? It's like, oh, if I don't know what's causing the problem, then it ain't getting published, right? And so you just think about like all the things that I'm like, and oftentimes when I'm in the passion and serious mode, caring seems like the last thing that shows mm-hmm. up, even though it's all rooted in deeply caring about the how our organization appears in the world, how we show up in these spaces, how we promote, like not as salespeople, but as people who are really passionate about connecting. And so it's always like deep down, I'm all, it's all about the caring, but that doesn't, that doesn't lay out first. Right. Yeah. 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 I think sometimes more intensity than, than, you know, more intense and then intensity of that. I can relate to that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh man. Okay, well, you, you had you had that was that the third one? Uh, caring, uh, caring, yeah, passionate, okay. serious, and caring. When you wrote creative, I was, um, I, I I was telling somebody just recently, like, um, you know, when I was in element middle school, or maybe even elementary, I remember being told at some point that I I I'm a horrible drawer, right? So mm-hmm. I basically shut down like those desire to just enjoy making a mess on a paper, right? <laughs> Because yeah. I was getting a grade for it. And only like in the last say, three, four years have I been like enjoying like every time I get to make a mask, right? Trying to do something yeah. different and creative, right? Because I think for so long I was like, I can't draw. And so therefore I would. And I see people on a show and they're like, oh, I can't draw. And I'm like, no, your drawing is perfect. Like, and I think that I, I remember that in me, right? Like that, no, I can't draw. As opposed to like drawing, you're not here to sell a masterpiece you're here to just draw draw an image right and how do you just let yourself be free to just let it be whatever it has to be you know yeah you know it's funny you say that because i and in elementary school used to draw used to and and in fact entered a competition once and was selected to potentially go to an art school and there was a trip to paris and i applied and got accepted but i didn't tell my mom Right. Mm-hmm. And so when I told her when the when the mail came, she was so angry and mm-hmm. she yelled at me. I went in my room. I cried. I never drew again. And so I think the memory was so difficult 
that I repressed it for years. And so as an adult in therapy and all of this stuff, you know, and I collect a ton of art as I travel and I even, you know, will buy art and then resell it to do fundraisers for nonprofits. And I remember one time someone asked me, when was the first time you realized you loved art? Well, that's mm. different. That's a question that made me go back to the first time, right? And I went back to that moment and realized, wow, I used to love drawing. And then this happened. And so as an adult, it's kind of like that journey and love for art has been redeemed as an art collector and someone, you know, now I travel the world, I purchase it, I use it to help and do, do good in the world. And so it's kind of like it's come back into my life uh, in a new way. I've tried to draw since and it is painful, bro. So um I'm going to stay in the lane of being a collector and someone who uses art to make money for good cause. But uh, yeah, so that's my art story. Awesome. Right on. Thanks for Well, you know, you're a writer and you have, maybe that's the, well, I don't know what, I'm sure other ways that your creativity has shown up in your own self, but I imagine it has to come out in some ways in us, right? It has to, it's in us, this thing, right? I think, uh, and so yeah. I think writing and even as a public speaker, there's artistic expression and how you deliver a talk. Yeah. Right. And um, in order for an audience to be receptive to it, you know, there's definitely an artistic aspect to it and certainly in writing. But uh, yeah. And yeah. So, yeah, that's that's my thing. So the back of my mat, yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah. the three words I wrote down are uh, anxiety, okay. uh, doubt and lonely mm, thank you i think that um you know anxiety i uh what i try to do to combat my own anxiety is to i'm a planner uh to the extent like you know if i've got a trip coming up i'm packed three days in advance because i don't like to rush it gives me anxiety right um i'm not someone who puts things off um because it, it gives me this angst and this pressure and so I'm very intentional um, about how I get things done. Although there are times when I will procrastinate, but I was telling a friend the other day, I feel like my procrastination is a spiritual practice because mm. whenever I don't take action on something, there's always a why, right? And I don't mm. know at the moment, like, it's like, what's keeping me from moving on this? Or why am I not, you know, aggressively getting this done? Like I do everything else. And always somewhere in the journey, it's like, oh, this is why, you know, uh, the event isn't supposed to take place there. It's supposed to take place here. So it's kind of like this um, almost spiritual practice of something that's going on with me that makes me slow down mm. that um, because something's being worked out. Uh, and so it's rare, but when it happens, I don't stress over it. Cause I'm like, okay, something will reveal itself as to why I'm not moving on this. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, or why things aren't moving in the right way. And every time it does, you know, the doubt, you know, I think for a high performing people, um, people only see the outside world only sees the confidence, mm -hmm. but I think with, with my experience and people I talk to who are leaders, um, there's a lot of doubt. Um, yeah. there's always doubt and risk taking, right? I'm yeah. as a creative, I'm a natural born risk taker, right? Um, and with that, you don't know if a thing is gonna work, um, but you know you gotta try, right? Yeah. And yeah. so there's that doubt. And then and also there's some self-doubt, like, am I enough? Am I capable enough? You know, but then I I circumvent that by 
always having a, a team that's smarter than me around me, right? Mm. I, I know how to find smart talent to do the things that I can't. And I'm humble enough to be like, hey, you know how to do this. I don't, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, and in the loneliness, I just think the journey sometimes when you care deeply and passionate and you're serious about the things you care about, um, oftentimes it feels like the rest of the world around you doesn't care as much. Mm. And so it can be lonely as a natural born introvert too. Um, yeah. You know, I, small talk is hard for me, you know? Mm. And uh, so in rooms, people would think because I'm a public speaker that you're not an introvert. And I always tell them I'm an introvert with extrovert tendencies, right? Like <laughs> I can be on, but it's draining. Yeah, um, yeah. And it's kind of like, you know, people see the performance, the mask, but they're not really interested in getting to know me, you know, yeah. beyond this moment. Like, you know, who am I when I'm not busy? You know, mm. and the journey I'm on is trying to, uh, unpack my story in a way to find out who am I without my trauma, right? Yeah. And mm. and what what does life look like and how is it lived if I stop living life through the lens of my trauma and the things that have been challenging for me and really yeah. focus on purpose, right? Yeah. So yeah, that's a little bit of mine. Ooh, man, I in so many of those ways I'm that man. I am um Man, man, I think the one that stands out to me, I mean, there are a lot of them that stand out to me. Um, the one that's the most present right now, I think is probably the, like, I'm always careful in this work because I, I would say in the last 10 years is when I finally have allowed myself to feel, right? Mm -hmm. In the last 10 years. I mean, we've been doing this podcast for about three years or well, summer of 2020 during the pandemic we started it and i've like i have to be careful because sometimes i think i talk all the time about myself because i'm sharing my mask each time right but and i feel like i'm talking about myself a lot but i'm and, and for many of my life i didn't talk about myself at all so i went from like not talking about myself at all and not showing any emotion to like being in conversations and sometimes something will hit me that i didn't expect to hit me and i'm like Trying to like fight it back, you know, like even in a space where I'm, we're talking about taking off the mask, I, I feel the the need to be the host, right? Like I feel the need, to, so I don't want to like break down crying, even though some things, like I'm not afraid of crying, but also trying to like, uh oh, well you can't like, like all the it's anxiety behind, and so I think I'll I'll share it and then I'll talk about it. Um, so I, I put that left one blank always because I'm trying to figure out which one is really present, and I would say. Probably anxiety is one that I've never would have said before, just, you know, in the last, you know, couple of years of like worry and anxiety and thinking about like, when you talked about like three, three days before, yeah. sadly, my packing is like three hours before. And I'm always like, I hate packing so much. I mean, I'll have stuff stacked on the table, ready to go in the bag, and it it won't go in the bag until I'm like, the Uber is three blocks away, and you're like stuffing stuff in the bag. I'm like, wait, he said they're gonna leave in five minutes. I'm like, I haven't got my toothbrush yet, and I'm like, I'm like, oh my god, why do I do this? I I don't know why I hate packing. 
I have no idea. And it happens. That's, that's how you do it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. The next time I'm going to, I'm going to try it. I'm going to try a, I'm going to try and give it a three day method. I, I feel like I, I, I've never had that many clothes that I could like be like, Hmm, do I have enough to like, like I, it's always a brain thing. Like, right? Oh wait, I gotta, do I, do I have enough like stuff to like put in there that I'm not using already? Like, Oh my god! So when you said that, I was like, "That's hilarious." That's what my sad <laughs> packing story. My my uh, my office manager assistant, she's she always like, "Have you packed yet?" I'm like, "Yeah, I'm, I'm getting to it. I'm getting to it." She's like, "Look, I'm picking you up at five o'clock. You better have your stuff ready." And I'm like, "Okay." And then she'll be knocking on the door. <laughs> I'm like, "I'm almost there. I'm almost there." So uh, it's, it's something I'm gonna work on. I'm gonna work on it. It's my it's my commitment to work on it. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> So that anxiety, for sure, uh, fear, fear. And I think the fear, some of my anxiety is linked to fear. And I think it's shown up only in the last couple of years. I remember like a year ago, I was in um, I was in Guadalajara. I was in Mexico. And, um, you know, um, my godson and his family came to visit and we parked in the parking garage underneath. And, I, and I've, I've been in, I mean, I'm an engineer. I'm a civil engineer by trade, by my major, <laughs> I haven't done that work in a long time, but I was in, we went under underground four or five layers and I, for the first time ever in my life, I could think I was like, I'm underground. <laughs> like, and it was, it was like a, it was like, I want to hurry up and get out from under here. And I don't know what, I mean, it was, you know, I don't know what the design of it was that made me feel that, but I, it's the first time I ever felt like, what is this feeling happening to me? I didn't say it. I didn't share it with anybody there, but I was like, hey, let's hurry and get this elevator. Let's come, come on, come on. Let's let's get to the elevator. <laughs> and I had never ever felt like that. I mean, I mean, never. And it was one of the first times, and I don't know what it was in that moment, but as I think about it, like, and I when we got upstairs and I went on the balcony just to kind of get some fresh air, I was remember just saying, What was that? What was that? Like, what 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 was that? Like, what was that that thing, right? And I can't name it even, but when I think about worry and anxiety, fear, like the like Oakland, I live in Oakland, right? I some of our young people have been wilding out, right? Like, yeah. I, if, if I'm low on gas, I'm not getting gas at night. Yeah. Just it's, it's so wild. Like I, I, I've never worried about those kind of things before. I would, I go whenever I want to go. It's, it's on. It's a quarter tank. I'm gonna go get gas. It's better than getting in the morning before work. But now. If it's late, I'm not doing it. Like, it's just, and I think maybe I'm using, like, too many external stories to make it, you know, I'm projecting what I'm watching on social media to my own life. But I think I've, it's something that's really real. And I don't talk about it much, but it's really present in my, you know, how I operate, you know? No, I, I can relate. I think that <clears throat> when you, you get to a point in life also where you realize the value of your life and your journey. And you become more cautious about it and more intentional about where you go, what you do, who you're around. And, you know, you're focused on your why and you, you avoid things that are out of alignment with your intention, your purpose and your value. Right. Yeah. So I don't know that the angst is tied to, oh, I'm afraid of what might happen to me. It's like, no, that angst is triggering like, hey, stay in alignment and um, 
treat this journey like the treasure it is, right? Don't play games with it, right? Don't take unnecessary risk with it. I sometimes have to remind myself of that because I'm that dude who's like, man, you know, I, I still get energy from the risk, right? Like, you know, I, I'm that dude who will go down the dark alley because it's like, I understand the dark alley. I was the guy hiding in the dark alley. You dig? So yeah. it's like, I can handle it. But at this point in the journey, um, it's time to grow out of that, right? Like, you know, I have adult children who would be devastated by my loss. And, yeah. you know, the things that I'm here to do, like why put the journey in jeopardy because of my own personal amusement, right? It's kind of selfish. And so I think that the way you're approaching it is really like, yo, I respect this journey and the jewel that it is. And I'm a little more cautious with this ride. You know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I thank you for that perspective. I think I I remember just being wild and out and reckless and not, I mean, not so reckless, but if you you saw some of the behaviors, you'd be like, you're being reckless. But in my mind, I'm like, I'm young. I can I can figure this out, right? I mean, I have many of nights coming coming home. You're like, I'm like, wait, how did I get how did I get home? Like, I know I drove, but what freeway did I take? I, I'm I'm trying to remember the ride. Like, I, I was literally. I mean, I made it home. I, I was there, but I remember just being like, hmm, that, <laughs> that was a uh, that was interesting. Like, just to like. <laughs> and that, that was a moment in, in my young, wild days when it was just like, and now I'm like, I'm drinking a rock star just to get to the, I'm like, okay, we're going to the gym. We're going to some energy drink. We're going to get, like, we're coming right back to the house, right? Like those kind of the new way of th- seeing the world, right? I think, and I, and I, I did that. I do have a dream. I do have a goal. And so, and I'll, even so with my health, and I wrote the body shame on here because I think, I was uh we had we had an event a launch event a couple of weeks ago for this movement and uh you know people were sharing photos and I was like we can't use that photo like what what I was like I we wore a shirt we had a shirt whatever you know and the shirt was grabbing on me like a shirt shirt and grab on people right and I was like what is going on with this shirt but it's not the <laughs> shirt it's my belly you know what I'm saying and I was so I was I felt embarrassing. It's not like just I mean I've been a big dude all my life, but you know I've been on I've been off my I've been off of conscious eating. I've been eating unconsciously. I mean for for too long for several months, and then I noticed it right like I noticed it myself, and I'm like, and that was like, oh I'm just I'm not being mindful of how I take care of my health. Right? I'm like this is what's the good of having a movement where you want to do big things in the world if you're not here to live it out, right? And I think, you know, I don't I don't get to choose when my time to go is, but I ultimately know that I don't want to try and accelerate it right, by right. not managing and being, I'm smart enough to know how to eat well and healthy. And if I'm not, then I'm not being, I'm not utilizing the, the wisdom that I have, you know? So it's been, it's been a journey of my own self of like being more mindful and yeah, thoughtful. And then setting the intention and building the discipline. Like I've been a little dude all my life. Right. Mm. And so it's kind of like people think body shaming is just, you know, the big guy. Right. Or, you know, but it's also, you know, the little guys, we get body shamed too. Right. Like, oh, you're so skinny. Right. Um, so when I work out, sometimes it's for health, sometimes it's vanity because of the perception. Right. Uh, so it's 
really about what are my real reasons? What's my why that's not tied to conceding power to what other people think of me, mm. right? So my intention around uh, nutrition and working out is because I want to be healthy for this journey, then that's a, that's a legitimate why. But if my intention is around, oh, because I want this public you know, image of what people will think of my body, well, the, I've conceded power and now they have control over what I think of my body, right? Yeah. So it's not even about my health. It's about giving people this power over how I look. And so now it's time for me to take that power back and say, hey, I'm going to set the attention to do the work for the mm. sake of my own health because I respect my body just as much as I respect my purpose. And I need my body to be in tune in order to live into the intentions of my purpose. Yeah. I really like the way you said that. Set the intention and then build the discipline. I think I'm really good at setting the intention. Like, this is not what I appreciate about myself. These are the things I want to work on. And then the discipline is the part where it gets hard, right? Like, yeah. I wish it wasn't hard. I wish it wasn't. I wish I didn't have a addictions to food and stuff like that. You know, I wish that wasn't a case, but I think now being like, oh, okay, that's what I'm really doing now. And I've been on a detox literally for the last week, no flour, no sugar. And my body is like, I'm going to bite somebody. Like I'm going <laughs> to bite somebody is going to just, if they did their arm a little too close, like somebody, I, I just, it's like, I, I feel it. I have to be careful. Cause I'm like, oh, you're on edge. You're on edge. Right. I mean, I mean, and some people who don't have issues with food, they think I, I could just be making it up. But I, I have I have, I have an addiction to sugar and flour, and I wish I could turn it off. If I if I if I could turn it off, I would turn it off. And um, sadly, I'm I'm having to like every day be mindful of it. Like I need to be in the moment. Like, and I heard this one guy say, you know, one is too many, and a thousand is not enough. Mm. And uh, for for me, I know that to be true. And so. Um, I, 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 thank you, man. First of all, thank you. Thank you for that. And I really appreciate the set the intention and build the, build the discipline because that's yeah. and, and, and build the language around that discipline. Like you said, I'm not, I'm not shift that language to what I'm going to do. Right. Mm. I'm going to be healthy. I'm going to be fit. I'm going to have a healthy house lifestyle. Now the, the discipline comes to making sure those things happen. But the I'm not is resistance, right? You're, it's like you're fighting against something rather than fighting for something. Yeah, yeah. Mm, change the language. You know, when you um, when I learned about the book, and I, I think about, I've, I've probably said in my talks before, and I talk, I've probably said it in my journals thousands of times. Like I wish my dad was here. You know, like I think even my college essay. Like my college essay, I mean, this is a long time ago, but my it was powerful. Like it was that was a amazing essay. That that essay won me so many scholarships. Like because it was really about this journey of this boy who wanted to make his father proud, but he didn't know what his father wanted him to be. Like what what would have made him proud? I don't know. He never he didn't leave a book, he didn't leave an essay, he didn't leave a writing, a letter. I barely got two pictures, right? Like he didn't leave anything. Some emptiness, right? And I think when you when I when I saw the title of your book, I wish my dad. I'm like, oh, why is that? Why is it hitting me so hard? Because I, I think I've said it so many times, and uh, I I had some men, you know, finish that that statement. And um, but I would love to hear from you, just in terms of 
you know, I'm, I'm, I heard you're already getting a lot of feedback, but what was it for you to like come up with that, like to to write that out, to 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 bring that to life? Yeah, it started with visiting my dad, like right before the pandemic, like January of 2020. And we have had a fractured relationship. We've been distant for years. I didn't grow up with him. He left when I was three um, and moved back to the East Coast. You know, I'm from the Bay, too. Grew up in Frisco. You know, have family in West Oakland and Vallejo and the Crest. So I was always all across the Bay, uh, me and my mom. But um, my dad and I reconnected. And I was in town for a speaking engagement. And I had all these ideas of how the conversation was going to go. Um, mm. And it was like I was at war with myself on the way to his house, right? Like a part of me wanted to be an angry 15, 16-year-old who was like, yeah, you know, I could take him now. He's 78, right? And I'm going to tell him what I really think, you know? The old, But the healed parts of me were like, no, show up as the man you are now and the work that you've been doing on yourself. And I was so anxious and at war with myself, I fell asleep on the ride to his house. Mm-hmm. Um, and he lives in Sugarland outside of Houston. And But when I got there, it, it went really well. I showed up as the present me and I saw him through the lens of mm. the work that the love that I need to give the world and the love that he needs to receive at this point in his journey. And I showed up with more questions about his family and his upbringing and my grandparents on his side who both had died by the time he was eight years old and he was raised by his aunt. He was showing me pictures of my grandparents and great grandmother. And when I left, um, there was a pivotal moment. Like he came outside when uh, Uber pulled up and he hugged me and kissed me on the cheek. And he said, I love you. And I said, I love you too. I'm sorry it took so long. And I got in the car and and I wept. And when I got back home uh, to Atlanta that night, I was like, wow, that really went well. And then all the flood of I wish my dad moments from childhood came up. I wish we played sports together. I wish we went bike riding because he loved to ride bikes. And just over and over, I wish this and I wish that. And I paused and, you know, a part of the healing journey when you're in therapy, trying to, you know, live beyond the trauma in life um, and heal what can be healed is that the journey can feel lonely. And so whenever that happens to me, I'm always curious about, does anyone else feel this way? Does anyone else have these, these, I wish my dad moments. And so that's what triggered uh, the desire to write the book. So that night, I literally wrote, started writing down the names of men that I know, friends, and even some acquaintances um, that I was curious about their stories because of how they show up in the world. Mm-hmm. And how they show up in the world gave me a sense that there's an I wish my dad story in there, right? For whatever it might be, not that it was bad, because they're amazing people, but I was just curious as to what the relationship looked like or did not look like with their dads that has shaped how they show up in the world. And um, I conducted 17 interviews and every guy came to my house with the exception of two. I flew to um, Fort Myers, Florida for one and Houston for the other. But I had a guy fly me in from Canada, from Oakland, San Jose, Chicago, DC, all over the country. Um, And we're excited about like telling their stories. No one had ever asked. Yeah. Um, but they carried the memories and the moments, but no one ever asked, 
and no one had ever given them permission to feel and give voice to what was missing and what they needed. Mm-hmm. Um, and the big thing that came out of that is realizing that everything that you needed then, you still deserve now. And the issue now is how will you give yourself the love you need now that you need it then? Because mm-hmm. you still you still need affection and right. to hear love you. And you still need quality time with people who will enter into your journey um, only for the sur- purpose of being in on the journey with you because they yeah. care about you. And so, um, you know, there were there have been lots of learnings, uh, but that's how the book came about. Man, thank you. Thank you for sharing that. That, <clears throat> you know, as, as an educator, as a teacher, as a mentor, I think I saw a lot of things you talked about in the students in my class. And because I also knew that, you know, my father, he died before I was born. So there was never, never a conversation. It was almost like, like, I, I want you to know that I'm, I'm not here to be any replacement of anything. I'm here to support you in this journey where you are right now. These next four years of high school, because I, I was a freshman teacher for the most part. So freshman algebra. And students who were like brilliant, smart, talented. And I'm like, I don't know if you can see it, but I see it. And I'm not sure why you're afraid to show it. But if we can help you turn that on, you're going to be unstoppable. But in, until you turn it on, you're going to always be looked at as people see you on the outside. And I think those conversations are are really beautiful when you get people to know that, oh, wow, there is something in there. Like you said, you saw in those men, these amazing things. I saw in these students, these amazing young people, but were like, I know there was more in the story. And many of them, you know, hadn't yet, don't, didn't know either know what the story was or had felt like they were the only ones in the story, which is, I think, why our, our circles began to grow so fast because young men were like, but other people in here are going through real stuff too. Like we're, we, we can talk about it here, right? There's no shame in this space to be human, to be feel. I think that's what helped it grow. And I think we, I think we just need that space for us as men, you know, in general. So thank yeah, and, you. And, man, it, we need that space because in that space and hearing from each other, what I found and, and I keep hearing as people read the book and we do these panel discussions uh, in each city is that men are realizing that they're not alone in these feelings that, yeah. you know, because in the book, um, every interview started with three reflections that I asked men to uh, respond to, you know, what comes to mind when you say, when I think about love, I wish my dad. Mm. And then they just start talking, you know, when I yeah. think about love, I wish my dad and they go on. And then I prod them for stories of, can you give me an example of a time when you needed to hear your dad say, I love you. Right. Yeah. Um, or, you know, the next one was what comes to mind when you say, when I think about affection, I wish my dad. And then they go and I'm like, was there an, an experience of when you needed a hug from your dad, right? And then they tell the story. And then the last one was, when I think about time, I wish my dad. Mm-hmm. But what I found and and what I'm realizing on this journey is that it's giving men the opportunity to lay down their armor and be fully human rather than always trying to be strong. And that fully human is not a sign that you're weak. It just simply means you're human, right? Yeah. 
and that there is strength in allowing yourself to be fully human, to, you know, express that you need to hear I love you and that you need to be hugged and you need presence of people who don't want anything but simply to be uh, present in your journey. Um, and then I've had women say uh, that it has given them one, several sisters have said, I know this book is a conversations with men talking about their dads, but a sister said to me, I now feel less alone as an mm. adult dealing with the challenges with my own father. And, you know, other, you know, moms are saying it's given me a lens into some of the challenges that my son's dad ha has had challenges with. And now I kind of get a sense of why their relationship is challenging yeah. or why certain things are or are not happening because there's a bigger story around their own relationships with their fathers or the lack thereof that's showing up now and they haven't done the work. And so people are learning how to love each other um, better um, without the uh, social paradigms of what manhood is. We tell people it's supposed to look like, which hasn't really served anyone well at all. And so uh, it's causing people to challenge these ideas of what it means to be a man and who had the right to define that for you? And is it really serving you well and your family well? And if it's not, why are you still choosing it? Yeah. Ooh, yes. Ooh, yes. I am, um, <clears throat> I'm going to, tomorrow we have our young men uh, in, in one of the middle school circles. So we've been hitting some deep topics. They're, uh, they're, they're, they're playing defense. They're playing good defense. You know, they're, they, when we get into hot, hot topics, they they go into defense mode, which is beautiful, and it's and it's and it's and we then we 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 play, we 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 just weave with them. Okay, all right, we're gonna we we're gonna take it gentler. We're gonna you know I think that that's for them, and I think for some of them who I've you know have heard some of their stories already or little bits and pieces, uh, I'm excited for them to complete that prompt, you know, and and I think that I, I'm excited for where you're going next, and I'm looking forward to. Um, our young men in, in one of our circles reading it too, because I think for some of them who I know have carrying some heavy wounds, heavy heaviness around it, I think it's going to really help to yeah. lighten their load a little bit. You know that they're not alone. That okay, I can, I'm gonna I'm gonna get through this period of feeling like it's 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 all bad, but knowing that it's just part of the journey. You know. What I found with that, thank you, man. And I'm looking forward to being in the Bay. You know, I'm going to be there January 21st. Uh, that's okay. Saturday, Sunday. Write but, that uh, down. Oh, that's right. yeah, okay, okay, yes. Yeah, I'll be with Michael McBride over at the Way Church that Sunday. So nice. maybe we can meet up that Saturday. But okay. um, I interviewed my son in this book. And it was after the third interview of one of the guys where I felt convicted and was like, yo, I need to do this with my son if this book is going to have any integrity because my son has an I wish my dad's story and it's going to hurt to hear it. I know it's going to hurt because I know who I was. Right. But now I'm going to allow myself to hear him tell me about my, how my failures and mistakes had an impact on his journey or not only had, but have. Right. Yeah. They have shaped him my absence. Yeah. And so. But what he, one of the things he said, and we're still working through our relationship because now he's like he's about to be 22 next year. But what does that look like now? But um, I remember after the conversation, uh, he says this, you know, in the beginning of the book, he felt lighter. Um, and so I, I say that because 
you know, sometimes with the young men you and I deal with, they, they dance around the hard topic because there is some grief carried in the, I wish my dad sentence. Yeah. Right. I'm not going to get this. So why should I name it? Right. He's not here. So why does it matter? Right. Or now you're going to bring up something in me that's going to make me sad. And now I got to go home and, and still be thinking about this. So yeah. why bother? Those are some of the thoughts, right? But yeah. what they fail to realize and questioning it without allowing themselves to live into it is that giving voice to it is liberating. Yeah. You're naming the sadness, the source of it. And you're giving voice to something that you've been carrying in your body already that's giving you angst and anger. And yeah. when you finally say, I wish my dad was here. I yeah. wish my dad loved me enough to show up. I wish my dad cared enough about my mom. I wish my dad took care of his health. You are able to breathe yeah. because you let it out yeah. and you're able to name it and let that sadness be known so that you can be free from it and find out who you are without carrying the weight of that. Yeah. Um, and to realize that those things that you desire, you still deserve. Now you just have to surrender and let the people who want to be those things for you be those things without the fear of abandonment, right? Yeah. Yeah. So there's so much, so much power in naming and completing the I wish my dad sentence. Mm -hmm. And in fact, some of the statements I just made are the actual titles of chapters. Yeah. I wish my dad was faithful to our home. I wish my dad didn't abandon me. I wish my dad put family over finances. These are chapters where yeah. these are the stories within those chapters that men tell. And every chapter ends with takeaways from a therapist. And so you're left with some tools, you know. Um, so I've been really excited about it and uh, looking forward to coming back to the Bay and, you know, just seeing what happens on this ride, man. Well, we look forward to when you come. I'm going to have those uh, those three by five cards from those young men ready for you. And I'm excited to uh, let you have them and, and add to the thoughts and context of what people are saying around the world and Here's, well, will you let folks know for where they can get it? And then we're going to put all this in the show notes and where you, if you want people to follow you or you want people to, to see what you're up to, would you please tell people where they can connect with you? I really want to make yeah, sure that people can do sure, that. For sure. Thanks for asking, man. You can get the book on Amazon. It's on all major book selling platforms, Amazon. I always also encourage people to go to your local bookstore, support um, you know, bookstores in your community, they need us to come in and help them, you know, survive in this environment. So uh, if you got a local bookstore near you, you can request it there and they'll order it. Um, if not, you can get it on Amazon. Um, where you can find me, uh, on my, all of my social media is my name, Ramal Toon. It's R-O-M-A-L-T-U-N-E. Um, and there's also an IG for the book, um, which is just at I Wish My Dad on Instagram. Um, and a website for the book, um, IWishMyDad.com, where we've been loading video testimonials from, uh, you know, people who have read it. And uh, so, yeah, those are the ways you can find me. Mm. Well, I, I didn't know about the um, I Wish My Dad for the Instagram. I'm going to get on that one today and I'll I have a couple here that I'll share and I'll tag you. And uh, I, I, I so thank you for being in this conversation. Thank you very much. Um, I, I think maybe subconsciously and consciously, I, I didn't talk much about my dad because I know that <laughs> that, 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 even, that is, is heavy. It's a, like you talked about, it's heavy. And I am working through it still, too, even as 
with all these grades, I'm still working through those, uh, those wishes, you know? So thank you for the work you're doing and that you continue to do. And thank you for this conversation. Thanks for being on the podcast with us today. Man, thank you for having me and thank you for the work you're doing with young brothers in our communities. Uh, I'm grateful for as someone who grew up in that area and uh, I know how much is needed and I know the impact it's having because, you know, teachers, you know, as you point out, being a teacher, the first person who told me I was smart was a math teacher. Nice. Math teachers are amazing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all teachers. I shout out to all the teachers out there. The teacher who changed my life was an English teacher and I hated English. So so no, it's all the teachers. So thanks to all the teachers who actually care about their kids and who see more in them than just a student of the subject, who see the brilliance in them, even if they're not doing good in your class academically. But that's what we need. So thanks. A shout out to all the teachers out there. So thank you, brother. Folks, look, Ramal and I shared our mask publicly. But you don't have to do that. You can show yours privately, anonymously at millionmask.org, millionmask.org. And we look forward to you being a part of this movement with us, Ramal. I, I enjoyed this conversation. This is just the beginning. I look forward to seeing you in the Bay in January. And uh, we'll, maybe we'll release the episode around the time you're here. And then we'll get a photo and we'll, we'll maybe we'll do it around that. Let's do it like that. Dope. All right. All right, cool. Thanks, bro. Appreciate you, brother. Thank you so much. Taking Off the Mask podcast is produced by Ryan Louie. Graphics are by Kelly Wong. And a special thanks to the team at Ever Forward, Vanessa Cortez and Choque Allen Alvarez. We'd like to thank everyone who's been a part of the creation of this podcast as we cross the 100th episode milestone and begin the work to the next 100. We hope that everyone who's been a part knows that they're a part of the Taking Off the Mask family. And we look forward to you being a part of it as well. If you like what you heard today, please subscribe write a five-star review, and share as we look forward to continuing to have conversations that matter. Stay tuned for the relaunch of the Million Mask Movement on 11-11-22. That's November 11th of 2022. There's a math problem in there. You can find out more by visiting everforwardclub.org and following us on social media. Take care, and we'll see you soon. <laughs>